0: You are listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Amen. How's everyone doing? You doing good? Doing well? If you're not doing well, you're in the right place. I mean, we can't necessarily help you with your problem today, but, but God can. And, and he might not get to it immediately, but man, it's so fun to travel with him on the way to your solution. Amen. Well, I had an amazing week. I saw Bob Dylan on Wednesday night, and I'm telling you, changed my life. I mean, it was amazing. It was date night for me and Amy. You know, like occasionally we like to get away by ourselves, be unknown. We don't want anybody to say anything to us. We don't want to... You know, we don't want our kids to go with us, you know. Sometimes we take the kids places, but you know, occasionally you have to have your time alone, right? So we go into Oven's Auditorium and we find we had good seats, man, center row. We I mean, I mean we were about 200 yards away, but we were still in the center, you know. And uh and we sit down and a voice behind me, Andy Squires, and I I turn around, it's somebody that I don't know at all. But he knows me and he, you know, he's he wants to chat. So, you know, we chat for a while and you know, we get back to our date and having, you know, talking to each other, getting ready to see Bob play. And then all of a sudden, this priest comes walking down my aisle and he's like making a beeline for me. And he's dressed up in his priest garb and he sits right next to me. And he goes, are you Andy Squires? I'm like, no, I'm not. How do you know me? Oh, I saw you four years ago in Chattanooga. It was a great show. And then he proceeded to talk to me about Bob Dylan all night. So, so you know, I got to make it up to Amy later on. But Wednesday was good, but Friday was good too. Because Amy and I snuck away to this little worship service at this little Pentecostal church that we know. And we, we tried to sneak into the back, but the people there know us. And we were there for like 30 seconds and then they dragged us to the front. You know, we're like trying to be incognito and just enjoy the presence of the Lord, but they drag us to the front. And so we're like jockeying for position. And, and then, um, it's, it's just like a worship night that they're having. And we were just going there to enjoy the presence of the Lord and, and, uh, I'm I'm singing, we're singing, we're and I'm just looking about at the room, and there's people in this room that I've known for twenty-three years. And I it it dawned on me as I'm looking around the room. I, I know there's about twelve people in this room that I that I've known for twenty plus years who have experienced significant loss, like significant crushing in their life. Maybe, maybe, through, you know, I, I, I was actually counting at some point I was counting widows in the room and I was, I was all of a sudden I was struck by this thought. I, I, I had this thought, God, what does it mean to be a Pentecostal person? And that word Pentecost, it comes from the New Testament. Well, it's actually in the Old Testament. It starts in the Old Testament, the Feast of Pentecost. But in the New Testament, there's this group of people that are gathering on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And we know that story from Acts chapter 2. But sometimes what gets lost in that story is the amount of stuff that that 120 people had lost In the course of their lives. And. I just began to be. Like moved in that room. Because what I realized. Is that. People that walk with Jesus. For any extent of time. You will have your life. Broken open in some way. You will have your life. Crushed in some way. In one way or another. And. And we don't always get to this place, but the place that we want to go to is that place where we can take those things that have crushed us. And we can lay them at the feet of Jesus. And the thing that was meant to kill us, to take us out, becomes an offering of worship. The thing that the devil meant, tried to use to take us out of our hearts out of our hearts, you know what it's like to have a heart filled with disappointment or bitterness or fear or anxiety? And, and I don't know, like, it, it, it's not always easy to get rid of that stuff, is it? But the fastest way that I know of so far is to take all the things in my life that make no sense at all and put them at the feet of Jesus. And, you know... Sometimes there aren't even sufficient words in whatever song that you're singing to do justice to the life that you've lived. And so that's why occasionally we just have to go back to that place of saying, worthy. Worthy are you, Jesus. Holy are you, Jesus. Holy are you, Lord. And we say that over and over. And sometimes we don't even necessarily mean it, but it's our confession. Our confession leads us. Amen. Wow, it just killed the room, I think. Are you with me? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to preach a very practical message to you today about taking care of your heart. It's going to, for some of you, it's going to sound like Christianity 101, like you learned this stuff back in the seventies. But those of you guys who were Christians in the seventies, you need to hear this again. Trust me. And then the rest of you newcomers, you know, the Christian faith isn't all about deconstructing. It's actually about doing the things that Jesus said. All right, so occasionally we have to go back to the word and remind ourselves what Jesus said so that we cannot just like wave at passing theories, but we can actually apply those things to our life. You know, um, like simple and obvious things are only uh, simple and obvious generally to people that are just waving, passing fancies to them. The full beauty of a simple and obvious thing can't be realized until it's applied. You can think that you know what the Bible has to say about something, but the head knowledge of it is much different than when you're actually doing it in your life. But I'd like to start out today with a set, a series of memes. <laughs> Do you all remember a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about self-care? I was, I was kind of like uh, riffing on, I was making fun of self-care a little bit. I'm going to talk about self-care a little bit more today, but in a good thing, in a good way. But, but you know, you, you got to lean on memes occasionally. So let's, let's roll these, Chris. Me taking undeserved breaks in the name of self-care after doing the bare minimum. Like, that's basically my life, you know. All right, let's do the next one. Uh, me, I'm going to start eating healthy. Also me, treat yourself one last time. You deserve it, all right? When I grew up, when I was growing up, man, the Sizzler buffet. Did y'all have Sizzlers in the South? Yeah, we did. In California, we had the Sizzler buffet, and this was before like the, like the big uh, when, when when foodies became a thing. This is like I I tell my kids this when they look at our wedding photo album, they're like, "Why are your people dressed like that?" I have to tell my kids there was a world before hipsters, and there was a world before good food. You know, like like back in the '70s and '80s, we just ate at Sizzler, and we thought it was the best thing ever. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. Thank you. All right. Okay, what's the last one here? I think this one's we saved the best for last. Self-care is the most important thing. Wear a face mask, mask, drink water, take a nap, take a bath, quit your job, post 500 times a day, gossip constantly, alienate yourself from anyone that disagrees with you, even remotely, wear a hazmat suit, move to a bunker underground. So... <laughs> That's kind of like self-care taken to the nth degree. We don't want to do that, right? You guys get that this is a joke, right? This is what we're not doing. We're doing something else than this, but still, that's funny, all right? Okay, so this, this topic today is very basic, but listen, uh, it's, we, we got to be re- reminded and encouraged to walk with the Lord and to have our lives established again in His wisdom, all right, listen, Jesus has wisdom for you. Okay, your relationship with Jesus isn't necessarily about like um, making sure that you're just, you've got your act in order so that he can finally like you. That's not what this is about. Jesus really likes you. The Lord loves you. In fact, while we were yet sinners, he died for us, right? He wasn't waiting for us to get ourselves together so that he could finally go and take care of everything that needed to be taken care of. Nevertheless, there's a way to walk rightly in the earth and, and finding out what Jesus has to say about these things is very important. So today what we're going to talk about, and if you were in youth group, you heard this. We're going to talk today about guarding your heart. Who heard your youth pastor talking about guard your heart? Raise your hand if you know what On am talk- Oh my gosh, all these church kids in here. All right. So here's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Guard your heart above all else for the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. Man, that's heavy. Another translation says it like this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. All right? So we can we can figure out from this passage that your heart matters. Your heart matters. Why does your heart matter? Because the condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. Jesus put it in a very compelling way. He said it like this, "Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is." All right. Your heart will be also another way you could say this is that the condition of your heart is determined by what you give yourself to and what you put into it. Jesus expands our understanding of this Old Testament proverb in Matthew six. And he goes like this. Here's what I want you to know. Do not store treasures for yourself on the earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. And he goes on. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness... How great is that darkness? And here's his punchline to the joke. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you will love the other. Or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so in this particular instance, Jesus is teaching us to guard our hearts from being enslaved Guard your hearts against being enslaved by the love of money. Jesus is not against anyone having money. What he's against is money having us. All right? So so the case that Jesus is making here, he's not making, uh, like, he's not forming a spiritual path for you to enter into poverty. Although, you know, some people have done that in the past, and maybe the Lord told them to do that. But... The New Testament isn't a treatise on uh, poverty as a road to spirituality. But here, Jesus is saying, guard your heart against the love of money because you cannot serve God if you love money. All right. Are you with me so far? God's desire in this passage that we see is that we live free from the love of money. Jesus is confirming to us here that Proverbs 4.23 is accurate. And he is leading us into his goodness with his instruction. Okay, we sing all these songs about the goodness of the Lord, right? Sometimes it feels like the goodness that we sing about is different than the thing that we're walking in. It's because we forget that the pathway to God's goodness we often find in his instruction. It's, it's often as simple as that. Sometimes we make things too spiritual and we forget that so much of this is totally practical and applicable to our lives. So you've heard me say this before, but the danger in reading Jesus' words is that you could constantly mistake him for being poetic when he's not being poetic. When he's challenging people's love for money here, he's going after the nuts and bolts, the brass tacks of their lives. He's not not saying these things and, oh, look at me, I'm a poet, I say poetic things, I'm a spiritual guru. No, he's saying, if you want to live the best life that you can possibly live, listen to the words that I'm saying and do them. Right? Okay, so... Guard your hearts because what you give priority to is what you are ruled by. What are you ruled by? The thing that you give priority in your heart to. Jesus doesn't give us this wisdom to frustrate us or to control us. He shows us the way to live because he created us to live with hearts that are free Jesus created you to live with a heart that is free from lust, from anger, from unbelief, and from unforgiveness. The reason why he's talking to us this way is he actually made you to be free from those things. And he created your heart to be full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? So a lot of Christians are actually walking around with the wrong concept. They actually believe that God created them, but they're totally depraved and that there's nothing good in them. But God actually created you. He dreamed of you before he created the world to be a partaker in his righteousness. Yeah? First John 4, I always quote this. As he is in the world, so are. Yes. As he is in the world, so are we. Jesus said this about his own heart. Jesus, Jesus knew that the heart was really important. He said so in the Old Testament. And I love it when the, the New Testament is synchronizing with the Old Testament. You know, a lot of people like to pit those two testaments against each other. They're totally in sync with each other. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. All right? You do have to wrestle through some stuff in the Old Testament. I'm not going to lie. Same is true with the New Testament. But they are synchronous. They go together. You can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You cannot have the epistles of Paul. You cannot have the revelation of Paul without Paul's Jewish understanding of the Messiah. Where does he get that understanding? He gets it from the Old Testament. When Peter and the apostles are preaching through the, 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 new, the new world into the new church, when, it, when the New Testament says they're preaching from the scriptures, what are they preaching from? The Old Testament. You can trust it. All right? So Jesus says this about his own heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So if Christ is our Lord, then he is our teacher and we can trust him on how to be. If the heart of Jesus is gentle and lowly, then that means that ours can be too. All right. If the distinguishing factor of Jesus is that he is gentle and lowly of heart, then the same can be said of us. I'm going to just side note here. This is not in my notes. I might have to go a little longer because I'm about to say this, but I am not a person necessarily known for being gentle and lowly. You can ask my children. I I I have gotten angry at times with my kids because sometimes there's a lack in my heart of meekness and humility and I let other things get into my heart like frustration and rage. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, I I hope Henry doesn't mind telling me me telling this story. I won't embarrass him, but this is a hilarious story. So we're we're at the dinner table the other night and uh <clears throat> And, and he was fussing at his mom, and they were fussing back and forth. And you know that whole thing where the dad just kind of sits back and doesn't say anything for a long time until the, like, just full-born, like, male toxic rage comes out, you know? Like. Well, that's what happened. And, and, and Henry left the table, and he went into his room. And he, and he comes back a little while longer. I think Amy and I called him back. And, uh, and uh, he comes back. And I'm I like, I'm sorry, Henry. And, you know, he's got a few tears in his eyes. And I said, why are you crying? And he said the most profound thing. He says, Dad, nobody ever wants to get yelled at. I mean, that's brilliant, right? That's like, we should all remember that. Nobody ever wants to get yelled at. I mean, I don't know why I am constantly insisting on using my force, my power, my anger, my control to manipulate people into being what I want them to be. When Jesus is walking around going, man, if you really want to know the good life, let your heart be filled with lowliness and gentleness and meekness and humility because that is the entryway into the good life. So, so if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? Your heart was created by God to be the place that you live from. It is the place where the essence of who you are as a person exists. Your heart can hold either darkness or light, it can be wounded, it can be healed, it can be traumatized, it can be restored. It can be full of lust and anger, or it can be used for what it was actually created for, to be full of the peace and grace and wisdom of God. Of course, there's nothing simple about the human heart, and most of us have a mixture of these things happening within us. But Jesus did not leave us on our own. He taught us how to live. He showed us that we could actually be like him by following him. By taking his commands into our hearts and by actually doing those things. Being a follower of Jesus means that we are actively looking at what he is saying so that we can do those things. It means that we take his commands seriously and we do what he teaches us to do. We allow Christ to be the Lord of our lives and we actually Keep his commands. So the deal is this Christ doesn't want control over your life so that he can have power over you. Christ is not giving us these commands because he's power hungry and that he wants to dominate and control you. He wants you. To submit yourself to living in his way so that you can have power over every situation that you face. He's leading us into these things because there's an advantage to having peace and grace and wisdom actively working in your heart. God knows that if you let anxiety and fear have dominion in your heart, it will be much harder to face the difficulties that come into your life. Christ isn't giving us a way to live because he wants to make things hard for us. Christ is showing us the way to live because it is advantageous to live like him. It is actually the better way to live. In fact, it's the best way to live. It's the best way to live. Jesus is not a control freak. He wants us to follow his ways because he wants our hearts to be free. I mean, it's really as simple as that, y'all. When we do the things that Jesus says to us to do, it actually frees our hearts. He wants people to be free from the bondage of sin and from the fear of death because our hearts were not created to worry. You know, when you're worrying, you're actually being something other than God made you to be. The reason why it's not, the reason why it shuts your body down when you're worrying is because it's the opposite of how God wired you to work. I mean, the reason why Jesus wants us to walk in his ways is because our hearts were not created to be afraid. Our hearts were not created to be isolated. Our hearts were not created to hate people. Our hearts were not created to lust after people. Our hearts were not created to be obsessed with ourselves. You know, there are narcissists in the world, but those people are operating in ways that Christ did not create them to be. If you're you're obsessed with yourself yourself, You're acting outside of the grace of God in your life. Speaking of being obsessed with ourselves, I'm going to go back to that observation I was making the other week about self-care. It's a strange um, phenomenon that has arisen in our culture. And I... My theory is that it's, it's come into our vernacular, it's come into kind of our practice in, in society because of the frantic pace of our modern lives, right? This insistence on, you know, self-care. I mean, I, I'm sure it has its benefits, but, but there's also an end to it. Like, you can, you can only drink so much wine before it s- stops having a benefit, Right? The frantic pace of our modern lives has led us desperately to reaching out to find ways to get the nurture and care for our souls that we obviously really need. Like the, 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 the thing with self-care in society is that it's, it's actually the articulation of everybody together saying, there's something that we need that we're not getting. It's it's actually a, it's like a heart's cry. If there's like a communal heart's cry, it's a, it's a hunger and a thirst. It's a hunger and a thirst that's filtered through the vernacular of, of culture. And I'm not really against self-care, but I think we have to be careful with how we go about this project. Maybe the self-care movement is really just proof that people need something in their hearts that they're not getting in the world. Maybe the nonstop sense of silent weariness that people feel inside them is proof that they haven't yet taken Jesus' ways into their hearts. The English priest William Law said this in the 17th century We must change our lives in order to change our hearts. I always thought it was the exact opposite. I got to get my heart right so that my behavior can follow. But over and over, we see in the New Testament where there's a confrontation between a prophet of some kind and some sorry old scribes and Pharisees. The prophet always goes, change your ways. People always say, what must I do to be saved? And the prophets are like, change your ways. If you want your heart clean, you got to change your ways. If you want your eyes clean, you have to stop lusting after people. You don't wait for your heart to be clean in order to do that. You actually change your behavior. I know it's easier said than done, but that's the step. We've taken baby steps into these things, right? We're taking the words of Jesus seriously and we're heading into them so that they can be in our hearts. William Law, he said it, I'll say it again. We must change our lives in order to change our hearts for it is impossible to live one way and pray another It's impossible to live one way and then pray another. Guess what? If you're living in unbelief, guess what you won't do? Pray. If you're trying to hide out from God because your behavior isn't right, guess what you won't do? You won't go spend time with God. You know, I get it. It's complicated. I understand. I'm not trying to bring a heavy word of confidence you know condemnation i'm just saying we can connect the dots between heading to wholeness with the ways that we're following jesus all right maybe people are having to do self care in the world because the church hasn't yet done galatians 2:62 2, 2 well enough yet carry each other's burdens And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So it's a distinguishing factor in the body of Christ. We don't do self-care. We carry each other. That's why it's really important not to remain isolated from other people. Because the method that God means for you to become whole will include other people in your life carrying your burdens with you. I used to always think that the problems in my life were just kind of there and it took me a while to realize that they were a gift to me from the father because because of my problems, I actually need other people in my life. Our problems don't disqualify us from relationship with other people. They actually make the way for us to go into intimacy with other people. Life with people is messy. Amen? You know this. You're a person. I think that one of the most powerful distinctions that Christians should be known by is that we carry one another's burdens. We carry each other's burdens by laying hands on each other and praying over one another. I want to tell you this little story. My granddad, Bob King. Otis is named after my granddad, Bob. Bob King had two daughters, so he had no sons. So his, his you know, his name, you know how that goes. So, so when Otis McCaffrey was born, my grandson, they gave him the middle name, name King to keep that name alive, you know. So, so whenever you see Otis, you know, there goes the king, you know. Like, um, but my granddad, he's 91 years old. I'm almost 50 years old, and I still have a grandparent. That's pretty cool, right? Um, but he has, he has, um, you know, he's 91 and he's running into some health issues. And so he's been in the hospital for a couple of weeks and, you know, it's, things are, you know, it's tough. And, and my mom is going through this and um, I, my mom and stepdad, they haven't necessarily been regular, regular attenders of church over, over the last few years um, but maybe in the past couple of years, my mom has um, found her way into this little fellowship and uh, she went to church last Sunday and she got an invitation to a little small group that was happening in the church and, and she took a risk and she went and she's in this room full of people that she barely knows and somebody just asked her how she was doing and she started crying and she said well my dad is not doing well and it's potentially the end of his life and I don't care if you're 91 or if you're 31 you know nobody wants to lose their parent you know it's just not easy and those people you know what they did they stopped everything they were doing right then and they put their hands on her and they began to pray for her and Man, I'm telling you, like, the comfort, the power, the consolation that made its way into her heart in that moment is so important. That's so important for human beings to experience that. In their times of trouble, in their times of difficulty, it's not time to go into your Netflix cave and inebriate it's actually the time when you need to put yourself with people, with believers, who can pray for you, pray with you, be with you in those times. Amen? When you pray over someone, you are helping to carry their burden. You're doing what Galatians 6, two says. You don't have to carry the whole thing. You just have to carry a part. My mom is still going to have to walk through the circumstances of my granddad's health. But this is how we take care of each other when we pray for one another. That might sound very simple, but the reality of it is so powerful. But the deal is this. We take care of each other. We, We take better care of each other when each of our own hearts are filled with the life of God. Uh, for all you moms in the room, I don't think dads can relate to this as well, but moms, you know the seasons when you were nursing and your baby wouldn't sleep in the middle of the night and you, you got no sleep for days? It was actually really hard to give care in the daylight when you weren't getting any sleep in the dark, Right? Like there really is something to be said for having strength in your body and in your heart and in your mind so that you can do the things that you need to do in your life. The same is true for us as believers. We have to actually make sure to guard and take care of our hearts because the people around us are counting on us to be there when they need us. Jesus often went into the wilderness to pray. He spent time taking care of his heart. He spent time with his heavenly father. I'd say this, that in my life, the greatest lack that I have is a lack of prayer. I'll just be honest with you. That's probably the number one thing in my life is that I'm so busy in my life that I don't stop and rest in prayer But I want to spend the second half of my life proving that all of my suspicions about prayer are dead wrong. Because I I am honestly suspicious that spending time with God is not going to really do anything for me. So I avoid it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, it is probably more important to get through this list of things that i have to do today than it is to spend time with god and and truthfully in the real world or in the in the physical world getting through your list of things to do is actually it has more practical value but it creates leanness of heart if you do that over and over and over and over and never spend time with the lord it's the time with the lord that refreshes your heart We must take care of our own hearts. We must listen to the words of Jesus and not just listen to them, but do them. And we must take care of each other's hearts. And I'm going to end with a a passage of scripture this morning. And then we're going to just have a response in time of worship. But this is a, uh, a description found in the book of Romans, chapter 12. I love this passage of scripture. It's so packed with so much goodness. But but this week, when you're thinking about guarding your heart or taking care of your heart, and when you're thinking about taking care of the people in your life, your brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to remember this passage. Maybe you need to read it every morning when you get up this week. This is Romans 12, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Man, isn't this so good? I'm not even halfway through and so good. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Lord, I don't know how to live. Will you please... Lord, will you please right now tell me how to live? Okay, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If she is thirsty, give her something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can we stand up to, just for a second? And then we're gonna just head into a time of worship. Thomas is gonna come up and take this microphone from me. Um, real quick, cultural context. That moment when Will Smith slapped Oh, poor Chris Rock this week. You know, I've heard, I've heard so many opinions on that. Don't care to discuss it any more than this. Romans 12 is so clear as to how to walk in the ways of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's a call that will cost us something. But what we want to do when we've been humiliated by somebody is we want to go the opposite direction. We want to go the opposite direction and so a different spirit. We don't want to answer like for like when the world comes at us with something negative. We want to, in the spirit of God, in the grace of God, go the opposite direction, don't we? So I don't know what you might, what business you might need to do with the Lord right now, but let's just take a minute and let's just, let's pray. And the world we'll just worship as a response this morning. But let's thank the Lord for the lives that he's given us. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that your grace and your wisdom is sufficient. And that all of the things that you're teaching us, you give us the requisite power to walk in. Lord, you didn't leave us orphans. You even said to us, it was better that you go so that the comforter could come. What was true 2,000 years ago is true of us right here in this room today. The Holy Spirit is available to us. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you once more into our lives to teach us to walk the Jesus way. And Lord, for every person who's got that, need in their life where they need to be instructed by your ways this week lord it's our prayer that you would guide us into the victory of just stepping into your ways once more this week lord